Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Welcome back to Chats in the Blog Cabin, you know, the show where I invite people virtually into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Stephen. He's the author of A Single Day of Peace. It's an inspirational novel revealing 50 principles that can transform your life. And I already told him before we came on, this book blew me away. I mean, I actually had to start looking and researching some of the things and looking at the person in the book to see if the person was real. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, Stephen, welcome to the show. Before we get into chatting about your book, let's talk about who you are. So introduce yourself sure. a little bit. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of your show. Thank you very much. So um, my uh, my life, uh, personally first, uh, married 26 years, two children. My son, Matt, is 24. will be 25 in about a week. My daughter, Olivia, is 22. Um, we live in a small beach town here in New Jersey called Seagirt. Professionally, I've been actually a software professional uh, for my entire career, close to 30 years. Um, I have been part of leadership teams. I've been chief revenue officer of companies, president of companies, uh, chief executive officer of a company. I've been part of the going public process twice, so helping companies go through the IPO process. I've sold companies, so part of M&A. So my background really is in the business world. My background is really around helping companies grow, develop successful companies, and use some of the things that are in my book, A Single Day of Peace, to help inspire people, inspire companies, so that we can achieve success. So that's really my background. I'm, I'm not really a writer. This was my first, uh, um, first time writing a book. I have written business articles and blogs and things of that nature, but I wanted to take the experience I've had of, of a pretty successful life and watch others that are successful and happy and uh, write the book A Single Day of Peace in order to help other people achieve the same. Well, the book A Single Day of Peace, I mean, really, honestly, it blew my mind. I mean, I can see the financial background. I can see the tech background now that you mentioned it because I didn't read anything about you until I read the book, but I can see that interwoven in the book. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of, I took what I knew and I took my beliefs, my spiritual beliefs, uh, my, my faith, and I intertwined them together in creating this fictional story, as you've read about an individual. So I'll, I would say that, you know, 90% of what is in that book are my true beliefs. There's some part of writing a fictional novel that you think about what would this character be like? How would that mm -hmm. character think? And, you know, much like a musician writes songs, every song isn't about them. They're writing about various things and you put yourself in that place. So I'd say 90% are my beliefs, 10% are trying to go in character and, 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 you know, write a nice story. So how much of father Mark is you? Yeah, I would say it's a good 95% of, uh, is, is me. Um, and your readers will see that the book uh, transitions from this individual who was a software technology executive and he becomes a Catholic priest. There's a process as to how that happens or things as to why that happens. Very often people would call me and friends who read the book and say, 
So Steve, did you actually think about being a Catholic priest before you moved into the business world? And I'd say, no, that was fiction. Uh, while I certainly admire uh, Catholic priests and their dedication, uh, certainly not, not something I wanted to do, but I needed to create an idea of how this person transitioned because the whole part of that book is how do we get a great leader to be part of this institution, the Catholic church. And it really applies to any religion. I use the Catholic church because that's what I know, but it could be any religion. How do you take great leadership to help further the mission of, of that spiritual group, that religion, whatever? There was a couple of parts in the book. Like for instance, you were talking about organized religion and how people are so turned off by organized religion because it's so judgmental. It's not, they don't share and uplift people. A lot of times it's like they're condemning, like you're not this, you're not that you're, or all, there's only one true religion and all that. But you, you basically no, no, all that in this book. Yeah. Yeah. To that point about, uh, you know, there's one relevant religion. Every religion tends to think they are the relevant religion. And I try to instill, it's, it's my belief. And when I really work with spiritual people, I find that they're similar that, you know, they're all great. They all the religions have some great things about them. Who are we to say and justify that ours is the numero uno, right? We're the best one. But if we take the greatness out of all of them and, and, and use that to create a much more kind of spiritual life, a positive life, then, um, then I think we're all better off. So I certainly did want to talk about the idea that we shouldn't be using rules and guilt and, and, you know, what God wants, you know, that, that kind of guilt to, to kind of keep people in line, if you will. I always felt that the, 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 the spirituality of it is about leadership. If you think about uh, any leader that you've worked for, mm -hmm. that you really loved working for, they inspired you. They challenged you. Yes, they held you accountable, but they had ways of pushing buttons to get you to be the best you can be. Why shouldn't our spiritual groups do the same? Why shouldn't our religions do the same? And in my book, A Single Day of Peace, like I said, I used a Catholic church. Why can't they utilize more inspiration? While I understand the mass and the, and the, and the beauty of the mass, we, we certainly do need to find time to inspire young adults, middle-aged adults, older adults. Let's find ways to help them find their true spirituality. And if we do that, then I think we're really, we're doing what we're meant to do. We're really helping people connect to be happier, more spiritual and, and more successful, whatever success is to them. So what made you decide to write a book? Cause you said you, this is your first book. You're not a writer. You said you weren't a writer, but you are a writer. Cause I yeah. mean, some of these things are amazing. What made you decide to write a book? So the first part of it is I'm an avid reader. So I've, I've always loved inspirational books, business books. Uh, I I'm more of a business reader than I am a fictional reader. And it's ironic that I created a fictional book. Uh, but as you know, there's, there's, there's principles of success in the book. And that's really the intent of it. So I loved reading. And I always did want to write a, a book. And the interesting thing that really was gnawing at me to do it, uh, there were two things. The first thing was, I've been fortunate to work with lots of great people that are very successful and are very, very happy, as well as work with people that are very, very successful, but not so happy. And I started looking at what's the differences between those two groups. And candidly, I've been, I've been note-taking for years and years and years the things that I observed. And one of the things that I observed about the people that are successful and happy, they have a level of spirituality about them. And I'm talking, you know, executives, I'm talking athletes, I'm talking 
uh, school teachers, uh, you know, any walk of life that are successful. When, when we say success, we tend to think material things and money and that kind of thing. And while that is some degree of success, there's all kinds of things you could be successful at. So when I see people that are good at what they do and they're happy, there are these spiritual kinds of things. And I would talk to people about it and say, you know, you're quite spiritual. And they say, spiritual, not me. I'm not religious at all. You know, if I believe in God, you know, and I said, well, look at these things that you do. These are really spiritual kinds of things. So it was with that, I'm saying, you know, I think I can help a lot of people if I could write this stuff so people could read it and they can learn for themselves how to be more successful, more spiritual, be more happy. That was the first component. The second component was, as you read the book, I challenged the Catholic Church and I use the Catholic Church as the example, but again, I think this goes for many, many religions, that there's a way in which they can be better. Mm-hmm. And those two things are what I wanted to accomplish. So I said, okay, how can I create a book that does both? And that is this, a single day of peace. You know, you pray about it, you think about it, and you get some divine guidance and you start writing and things start clicking. And that's what uh, allowed me to, to, to write the book, those, those two things. Be successful and happy, and let's let's uh, try to get some of the former religions to be more spiritual and inspirational. Was there any kick, um, kick kickback? Is kickback the right word? I'm trying to think about from the Catholic Church saying that you got us all wrong, or I can't believe you're picking on us and things like that. N- not as of yet. Um, I have sent the book out to quite a few churches and asked them to read it. Um, candidly, haven't heard back from many of them. Um, as of yet, but it's early. The book really has only been out a little over a month. I'm happy to say it was the number one seller for new releases on Amazon uh, in this inspirational category, so it's doing well, but it's early. I would say this, the interesting thing is that I've gotten feedback from people of other religions uh, Mm. sharing with me that, you know, you nailed it. This is great. You talk about the Catholic Mm. Church. I'm Jewish, but you know, my group could do better too. I would tell you there was one person that challenged me a little bit, and I think her criticism was fair. A client of mine uh, who is a staunch Catholic, um, she read the book and she reached out for me and said, you know, I love the story. Certainly the things you point out um, around the Catholic Church that it can prove are very accurate. She said, I just wish you would have tied in more of the theology of the Catholic Church. You could have found a way to do that a little mm-hmm. bit more, which I thought was a, was a fair criticism. So, um, you know, I'm sure I'll get some. But, uh, you know, you, when you try to do good things, you, you're not going to please everybody all the time. But I think the message, if you read the book, the message is a very positive one. And while I do challenge religion, um, I think the real overall arching thing is, you know, I try to do it in a positive way. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, even that criticism that she gave you wasn't a bad criticism. Right. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, I love the book, but I wish you had done more of this. Right. So it wasn't like, right. oh, I can't believe you picked on the Catholic religion. What kind of Catholic are you or anything like that? No, I haven't gotten any of that. And, and it's funny, I, a lot of people that some I know and some I don't know that are Catholics said, wow, you said what I've been thinking about for a long time. I've heard that so many times. So um, I think that's a signal not only for the Catholic church, but for other religions, we ought to be listening to our followers as to what do they need? What do they want? And how do we give them what they need? Because if we give them what they need, you know, candidly, they'll be more loyal, they'll participate more. Mm -hmm. um, And that's a win-win for everybody. Okay. So we're going to take a brief commercial break. When we come back, are you ready? Do you have your book with you? Can you read part of your book for for us? I do. I do. All right. So (laughs) when we come back, he'll be reading from his book. Chats from the blog cabin. 
subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Hi, my name is Joanna, and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of Shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. We go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, We believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, We have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways, and we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, We have big plans, more we'd like to do, um, and we would appreciate any support, either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to shoresofgrace.com, and in the menu, click on Donate. We just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you. And we are back chatting with Stephen, who is the author of A Single Day of Peace. And before we went to break, he said he would read part of his book. I leave it up to them, whatever they want to pick out to read. I don't say read a, a specific section. So have at it, Stephen. It's all yours. Okay, okay great. First question. How I want to make sure I do this in the right amount of time. How much time would you like me to invest reading some parts of it? However long you want to. Okay. Okay, great. So let me kind of set the stage for the, I'm going to read two parts of the book. I'll set the stage for both. But the first piece is um, the story of the book is about an individual who was a successful business person, a great leader, and that and and he had many people that enjoyed working for him. Not that he was an easy boss, so to speak, but he was an inspirational person. And um, he had a crossroads in his life, much like we all have crossroads in our lives and face a difficult time. And he had some decisions to make, some life changes to make. And he had made a, a decision to become a Catholic priest. And it was something he thought about doing before he entered the business world, but he chose the business world. But now he wanted to venture and he becomes a, a Catholic priest. His main goal is to help change uh, for the positive, of course, the whole Catholic church. And he thought if he took his great leadership skills, Uh, He can bring that to the Catholic Church and help change it and improve it and make it successful. He found when he joined the Catholic Church that it's kind of like working for an old stodgy company. Mm -hmm. Old ways of doing things, lots of rules, they don't want to change, and he's frustrated. So now the scene is it's Easter Sunday. And he's been he's been challenged for many months about the way the church the church is the church is not church is not changed. Easter Mass, and now it's time for the homily. So I'm going to pick up right in the beginning of his homily and some of the message that he delivers. So that's kind of setting the stage. So now Father Mark is on the pulpit. He is starting his homily, and he continues and says, so I have a question for everyone. Why is it that the churches are not populated like this every week? As he looks at the the oversized crowd that ha- is that exists for this Easter Sunday. He opens his arms again as if to embrace everyone. He says, why? I believe I know why. Father Mark pauses. I suspect some of you are thinking, oh boy, he's going to scold us for not coming to church more often. But no, I'm not going to do that. Do you know who I'm going to scold? Just before he answers his own question, 
he turns to the altar and again opens his arms and confesses us because we, the leaders of the Catholic Church, have done a poor job of inspiring you. He then turns back to face the congregation. Really, that's the truth. Let's be honest. If you came here on Sundays and left inspired, wouldn't you come back more frequently? If when you came here, we really helped you find your spirituality, wouldn't you feel more engaged with the Catholic Church? If we were less fear and guilt focused with our teaching, would you be more fulfilled in your participation? If we helped you discover who you are and what you truly believe, or if we helped you find your place in humanity, wouldn't you be happier and healthier people while here on this wonderful earth? How many of your children leave here and tell you how bored they are? If you and your children received a message that was motivating, made you happier, challenged you, made you mentally stronger, made you more successful, made you more Christian-like, would you keep coming back? Father Mark now raises his voice to say, of course you would. And then he quietly adds, and so would your children. If teenagers came and received a message that uplifted them, would they complain so much about coming and spending about an hour a week with us? No, they wouldn't. Let me ask you, why did Jesus have so many followers? Because he inspired them. He taught them a new way to live. He didn't bore them with the same prayers every day over and over. No, he delivered a message. I'll pause there. So the idea, as you can see, is that um, Father Mark in his first sermon is talking about the things and how the church should really change and be more forward thinking and be more inspirational. And then as the reader will go through the book, there's many of these sermons and throughout each of the sermons and in his communication with various people, there's nuggets of ideas of how to be happier, healthier, more spiritual, more uplifting to yourself, to find the positive in you. There's lots of instruction within all of his interaction with his people. And that was the first one again on, on Easter Sunday. So as the story goes, Father Mark gets lots of media attention because as you just heard, he delivers an inspirational message and he begins to get millions of followers. And he's on some various uh, television programs. I'll, I won't share what they are. I'll let the reader experience them, but he gets more and more followers. But as he does that, he then starts to get some pushback from the Catholic Church because he's a bit of a rebel and he's challenging some of the basics of the Catholic Church. So it comes to a point where he feels he needs to go on a retreat. And he goes to uh, Spain and there's a, a wonderful walk, a spiritual walk, a pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago. And he experiences that. He does the walk of St. James. And in that process, he writes 50 principles that if people follow one principle per day, they will live a happy and successful life. So you go through this process of 50 days reading one principle and he suggests read it in the morning, read that same principle in the afternoon and read that same principle before you go to bed so it works in your brain while you're sleeping. And I'm gonna share with you the first one because the first principle is the principle that really, if we're going to transform our lives, it really begins with this first one because very often transformation and, and happiness and future success is about how we think about ourselves, right? Sometimes we all question ourselves and we don't think we're worthy or we don't think like, you know, am I special? You know, why am I here? So this first principle that Father Mark documents 
um, to help people understand this is the beginning of being successful. And it's called day one, self-esteem, celebrate your difference. Your new and improved life starts with the recognition that you are a super special human being, regardless of what you have been, positive or negative, healthy or ill, generous or selfish, happy or sad, success or failure, you are a human being who came into this world with special talents. In the history of humanity, no one has been created exactly like you. Think about that. No one has ever been like you. You are the rarest of all species put on this earth. Each of us is brought here by the power of God to live a happy and successful life. Each of us is a great miracle capable of reaching the stars. Today, you start reminding yourself of your special uniqueness. Today, you begin the creation of the new you. How do you do this? It starts with celebrating who you are and your differences. Too often, we look at our differences and see them as a problem or a limitation. Your differences can be the thing that makes you great. Celebrate your differences. So many happy and successful people had a feeling of inferiority at one time because those around them made them feel that way. Maybe they thought they were too short, too tall, too skinny, too heavy, had an accent, spoke with a lisp, loved music, or saw themselves as less than brilliant. And then in time, they realize that who they have been is what has made them special. Look at your differences and embrace them. Remember this, every room you walk into is better because you entered it. Next, use positive motivating statements and simply say to yourself, I am great, positive, special, and capable of doing amazing things. God makes no mistakes and I am no exception. If my life has not been all I wanted it to be, it is because of the decisions I have made and the actions I have taken. It may have also been that those who are closest to you, like family, friends, coworkers, etc., had good intentions but limited your view of yourself. This happens more often than we care to admit. In their love for you, they want you to take excuse me, they didn't want you to take risks and possibly be let down, face adversity, or potentially have a short-term setback. Candidly, there are some situations where others just don't want to see you in a better place than they are, so they knock you down. Today, that stops. Today, you recognize that you will, in time, make many corrections and become the person who has been inside of you who is aching to get out. You will achieve this one step at a time, that it all starts with you knowing you are great. It starts today. So that is that first principle where we all have to believe there's greatness in here. And we all have self-doubt and it's time to push that aside, address it and start thinking those positive thoughts and believing that you are that unique individual that you truly are. Have you always had this kind of inspirational thing about you when you were writing or was it something that you've struggled with yourself? Um, I would say that, like most, I struggle from time to time that, um, you know, you, every time you try to do something, you try to accomplish something, you don't always get it done, right? So then you start to question yourself. Um, you know, growing up in school, I wasn't the best student at all. Candidly, I didn't get serious about studies until my second year of college. So I was a very average student. I was a decent athlete. I wasn't the best athlete. Um, 
I, I had a, I had good personality, but I had I, I struggled when I started work. I struggled in my career, right? So um, I've always, like most, we have to find our way. But the optimistic part of me, yes, I would say that that's something that I've had for the most part. But a lot of it was good mentors, lots of reading, and and believing that when I see other people succeed at any walk of life, somebody's now a fantastic, successful teacher. Someone's a fantastic homemaker. They take care of their children phenomenally well. They went through certain steps to get there. So I believe that I could do the same. And I believe your, 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 your network, the readers of this book, everyone can, can go through that positive experience as well. So at what point in your life did you decide you wanted to write this book? Um, as the story goes, I wanted to write it probably nine years ago. I, I procrastinated for about three. And the reason I procrastinated was busy with business, but, but more so um, I was afraid to write it, fear, because I knew I was going to cover some interesting topics like I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, what are people going to think, right? Uh, how will they react to me? How will the people closest to me react to me? So it took three years of procrastination. And then, um, you know, I, I had this experience one day when I was running along the beach one day, I was listening to a, um, an audio interview and I, I happened to be a Bruce Springsteen fan and, and Bruce Springsteen happened to be an interview. So I was listening as I was exercising in my run and, and Bruce said, you know, uh, he goes, I write songs cause I have something to say and I have to say what I want to say. And the way I do it is writing songs. And um, that hit me. I said, you know, I, I got kind of something to say, but I haven't wanted to say it. And then later that day, I heard uh, a quote from the great Wayne Dyer. He is, uh, Wayne Dyer is a, it was a, a world-renowned uh, author, self-help author, public speaker. He's passed away uh, maybe a little over a year ago. But he said, don't die with your music inside of you. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I heard these kind of two inspiring things today. Why don't I just get started? Let me see how this goes. And it took me six years to write. And it took me six years because I just didn't have the time to dedicate just to write the book. I was traveling the world for business and doing lots of things. But on long flights, I would write late nights in hotel rooms. If I couldn't sleep, I would write some weekends at home. I would write. Um, so it really took about six years to get it all done, get publishers interested and get it published. So how did you get publishers interested? Because honestly, like I said, you knocked it out of the park with your very first one. But how did you get them interested in the book? Yeah, thank you. I, I thought I was going to have to self-publish candidly because uh, I never published a book before. But so did everybody who are great publishers never published before. <laughs> There's always the first time. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, let me um, send this out to uh, some publishers and see what kind of reaction I, I get. And every publisher requires a different format. Some of them want the first chapter. Some of them want a summation. Some want the first five chapters. You know, they're all different. I, I think I sent it to like 16, 17 publishers. And I was fortunate that three came back and were very interested in publishing it. And I settled in on Karis Publishing. Um, they published lots of spiritual uh, mm-hmm. books and lots of the money that they receive from the sale of the books go to helping people. They do lots of great faith things. So I went with them and um, we got it published and got it out there. And, and here we are. Wow. Uh, like I said, do you see yourself writing any more books or is this just the one? 
Yeah, you know, um, I do. I, I've gotten quite a few people gave me their ideas of a sequel as to what, what happens to mm -hmm. my character, Father Mark, in the future. So there's that possibility. Um, I, I just wrote an article uh, that was published in CEO World. It was just published last night, and it's called Spiritual Leadership. And it's about how to be a great leader. And the word spiritual and spiritual leadership has a connotation of religion, but that's not what it's meant. What I mean by spiritual leadership is great leaders create a great positive spirit within their organization, whatever leadership they do, not just business. It could be any kind of leadership. My point there is, I'm thinking that my next book would be spiritual leadership and talk about the great ways to be great leaders. So those are the things I'm toying with. Um, but you know, the, the book has only been out for about a month and a half, uh, almost two months. So there's a lot to do with this book. So, uh, but I'm sure I'll get some time to do a sequel of some sort. Now you mentioned your, you had a son and a daughter, correct? In the beginning. Yes. And, yes. um, what does your family think about this book? Have they read it? Have they said, oh, wow, my dad's an author or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting. Um, I kept this a secret. I told you it took me six years. I kind of kept this a secret for four and a half years. I didn't tell anyone. So one day I said to my wife, Karen, I said, I got something to tell you. I've been working on something that I haven't told you about. And of course, she gave me that stink eye look like, what have you been up to? <laughs> right. Uh -huh. So I said, well, let me explain. And I explained it to her and she says, okay. I, she goes, I want to read it. So she read it when it was in the editing form. And yes, my daughter's read it. My, my son has read it. Um, and uh, it's interesting. Yes, they all were quite, um, uh, you know, inspired by it. They were, they gave me some great accolades, but then they poo-pooed it a little bit saying, dad, this is stuff you've been talking to us about, you know, our whole lives. Now I got to read about it too, you know, <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, they've been very, very supportive. And, uh, you know, you try to, uh, you try to instill the right things in your children. You do the best to get them to go on the, in the right path. I love that. You're talking about things they talk about or you talked about their whole life. That just means that you practice what you preach. Well, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I, I do. When it comes to all these topics, uh, you know, um, something that, that I've tried to instill in people that work for me, friends, and of course, family. So you mentioned it when you're reading the pilgrimage that Father Mark takes, have you actually gone on that pilgrimage? I have not. I have spoken to some people who have, and I actually, in the research of writing the book, looked at various pilgrimages that take place, and that one just kept coming back, and it always kept coming up and sticking with me. So I said, this, this is the sign, this is the one I should be writing about. But through my writing, I am inspired to, to take that pilgrimage. So that's something I, I'm going to definitely want to do. I actually looked up the pilgrimage after I read the book and I was like, oh man, it looks so beautiful and the pictures and the scallop shells. Right. I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mentioned something before we came, we went on about how people, when they're reading this, and you even said people have actually said this to you, <laughs> this is not based on a real story. This is not a real story, even though you wrote it, right. like it's real time happening, something that's happened to somebody in the past. So when did you come up with that concept? Yes, um, many people have asked me that. And many people asked me, you know, it, a lot of it's me and the people that know me best that read it have told me a lot of this is you. So this character of yours before he went into business, he was he, he thought about being a Catholic priest. Did you actually think about being a Catholic priest? And I, priest, and I said, well, no, that part's fictitious, right? So as I, um, as I, as I had this idea of, 
a great leader in business and a great leader in the Catholic Church. Um, you, you kind of put yourself into that character and you start to think about what would that character think about and how would they act? What would they say? And the, the other people that Father Mark interacts with, Monsignor, and he's a staunch rules-based person. You put yourself in, you know, mentally into that thinking, what would he act like? And so I, I, I created the story and many people have said, you know, as I was reading this, I'm wondering if this is about someone that, that, that you knew that actually went through this. And I was very pleased to hear that because that made me feel, okay, I made it real. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted this, you know, like when we go see a great movie, we think that, oh my God, this looks so real. And we forget that it's not real. And that was the intent of the book. And I'm, and I'm glad that, that, I, that I accomplished that. Especially when you throw in a couple of real names, like you said, people have to read the book to find out who you mentioned and real yeah. television shows and appearances. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. He said it wasn't real, but let me look at yeah. it. Like, let me, you know, Google yeah. it stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was all, all fiction. So um, in the beginning of the book, of course, you have to put the disclaimer, all of the people and the situations mm -hmm. are fictitious, et cetera. And again, I, 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 I thought it would add, it would add some reality to the story if I was able to put scenarios like TV shows that people are familiar with because they'll put themselves and they'll see those characters that run those TV shows at the anchor of that TV show interviewing Father Mark and in their own brain and their soul, they'll still they'll feel like it, they're engaged in it more real. And that's kind of why I did that. I love that. Now, there was one more question I had for you and it kind of just like blew my mind a minute, but you're talking about when your PR person sent me your info, they talked about how you make this a summer of self-discovery. And I know summer is almost over with, but she gave us like five tips. Do you want to talk about any of those sure. five tips? Yes. So that idea of the summer self-discovery came, um, uh, out of the book, there was uh, another interviewer that said, boy, with through this book, people can self-discover, right? They can find the better person of who they are this summer. And it made me start to think about what would be like a, a number of things that people could do. And I came up with these five specific things that I'd, I'd love to share. Um, so when, when we think about self-discovery, it is about how do I find a happier, more peaceful, more content, and more inspired me? And these five things I think help you get there. The first one is spending time in silence. Mm -hmm. um, very uh, often, every day, we're engaged in so much outside in, sometimes noise. We're all, the, I think there's a statistic that says people get about 60,000 messages on a given day. So between your smartphone and your social media and your television and the news and all of that, there's a whole bunch of stuff getting thrown at you, right? Interference, if you will. But if we go in silence and if we can go 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day, somewhere quiet in our home, our office, a park, whatever is a place for you that you feel comfortable in and candidly just become silent it allows your thinking to be more clear. You start hearing that true voice inside of you because you can't hear that voice when you're being told all kinds of different things and lots of noise going on around you, all the email you have to follow up on. Find a place to be silent and the true spirit inside of you starts to talk. Um, and that leads to my second uh, point, and that is connect with that inner spirit. 
you know, we tend to look in the mirror, we see a body and we think we are our body, but truly we are the spirit inside our body. You can call it personality, you can call it your demeanor, but there's a spirit, there's a godlike spirit in all of us. And you can connect better with that in silence. So this is a form of meditation, these first two pieces of, mm -hmm. of be silent, get in touch with your spiritual self. You know, you're breathing deeply in your silence and all of a sudden you just really start getting clarity about yourself and you start listening to the voice guide you, especially if you have challenges or problems, especially if you're facing a tough decision to make. When you go in silence and you let that voice and the universal energy communicate to you, things become more clear. So those are the first two. Um, the third is the concept of gratitude, having a mindset of gratitude. Uh, very often, it's kind of human nature, we're always wanting the next thing, and we always focus on what we don't have. Um, and it's okay to aspire to achieve goals and objectives. I'm, in my book, I talk a lot about that, that it's a healthy thing. However, doing it while you're thankful for what you have. And I often, when I work with executive teams as a consultant, I always find a way to intertwine into this consulting that I do to have them think about gratitude. And I say to them, on your calendar, you should put a repeating 7 a.m. meeting. Every day it pops up and the word is gratitude. And that's the reminder for yourself. Pick three things today that I'm, um, I have gratitude for. It could be my family, it could be my position, my job, where I live, the sun came up today, my friendships, the new person I met yesterday, the new relationship I'm in, whatever. And when we focus on that gratitude and we really believe and, and feel, hey, this I, I got it pretty good, an interesting thing happens. We're more happy, self-discovery. And not that this is the intent, but more good things come your way. When you have gratitude, more comes your way. Um, the fourth one is positive self-talk statements. We have a mind that is always telling us things and sometimes not always so, so good about ourselves. Hence the first principle I talked about that we're great human beings. God created us all very differently and we're all very unique. We have to make positive self-talk statements. If, I'm want, if I wanna be run a race, I wanna run a marathon, your self-talk statement is not, I wonder if I could do it, I never run very well, I can never run very far, that's not the self-talk statement. You want, I'm getting better and better every day in the length that I can run. In, in five weeks, I'm gonna be able to run 10 miles. Like you're, you're, you're programming the things that you want, feeding good positive thoughts to yourself. I think that's a very important thing for us all to do and I, I talk a lot about that in the book. And then the final one, the fifth one is, let's surround ourselves with positive people. If you can think about your life and your network of who you hang around with, who you communicate with, you know, when you raise children, you always remind them, hey, be careful who you hang out with because that's who you become like, right? You wanna be hanging with the people you want to be like. Well, so do we as adults. Not that if you've got some close friends that, that are lifelong friends that may have a negative slant, I'm not saying disown them and not be around them ever, but I'm just saying, in this idea of, of the five things, this one is put yourself more often around the positive people, the uplifting people, the inspirational people, and you'll be amazed on how that starts gravitating more toward you. So in summary, the five are spend time in silence, can, two, connect with your, your inner spirit, three, have a mindset of gratitude, four, those positive self-talk statements, and five, let's surround ourselves with positive, inspiring people.
and and read your book. <laughs> I'm gonna add a six yeah, and read your book. Make that a six. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> because even like you said, even because I even told you at the very beginning that I had not gotten through all the principles, and you're like, well, I would be interested in learning, you know, what you learned from it as you went through the principles, because you know, we don't tend to time take time to read anything now because everything is like go 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 like and i will admit i did download it on kindle unlimited because it is free right now on kindle unlimited but i actually piggybacked the book and the kindle unlimited because i could read the kindle unlimited right before i went to bed and not have to worry about having to have the light on so if i fell asleep reading it not to say right. that the book isn't good for me falling asleep yeah. reading it but at least i would have something that i wouldn't like forget what page i was on or anything right. so what is the main thing that you want people to get out of this book? Yes. Um, the main theme is I'm looking to help make the world a better place by helping people find their better place. So my main objective is through a single day of peace, people find their better place. They feel better about themselves. They become more happy, more successful in whatever it is they want to be successful at. And when that happens, when people are happy with themselves, they start doing more for others and we start having more unity. And in this world, there's lots of division, political division, racial division, there's all kinds of division, religious division. Let's find a way to have more unity together. So I truly believe if I can, in some small way, help people find their own better place, it is going to gravitate to many and we ultimately make this world a little bit of a better place. So that's my objective. I love that. Now. I told you you were going to be part of our inspirational Sunday message and I asked you to give an inspirational message. So are you ready to do your inspirational message? I am. I am ready to do it. Absolutely. So, so my message to everyone out there is um, we all are either, you know, about to enter or in the middle of, or coming out of some kind of crisis or something that's maybe not something that we want going on in our lives. And, and my message to everyone is that, with the right attitude, the right energy, uh, through the spirit that you have inside of you, even of course, praying the power of God, the power of the, the, the universe, that those things can be overcome and you have the power within yourself to overcome them. Even if it means working with others to help you overcome them, my point to everyone and my message to everyone is we all go through it and we all have adversity, but if we attack it, with the right mental attitude, the right energy, the right positive praying that we will see it through. And I believe that the energy of the universe, I believe the God that is inside of us wants us to get through that and we will get through that. And I know that as I say this, some things are very, very challenging. Maybe people have some health issues or family have health issues or there was a death in the family. Some things that are very, very hard to get through. My message is, is with faith, with the right attitude, with those positive self statements, if you persevere through it, the sun will shine again and we will be in a much better place. You must have that faith and you're certainly capable of making it happen. So that is my message. I love that message. How can anybody not listen to this message and not want to go get your book? That's what I want to know. Especially after I just promoted it saying it was free on Kindle Unlimited if you're Kindle Unlimited. So tell people where they can contact you. Sure. If you go to my website, a single day of peace .com, 
Um, you can read more about me. You could read a bit about more about the book. Um, my email is there. You can email me at a single Dave at gmail.com. I read all of them. It's not like someone else is reading them. Um, if you have a challenge in your life and you need an, an additional inspirational message, send me a note. I'm happy to, to help and provide some inspiration to you and your situation. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram. Same thing. It's a single day of peace is my Instagram name. So follow me there. I post some interesting things uh, and I'd love to be able to communicate with you. And your book again? My book is A Single Day of Peace, and you can get that on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. And obviously, very easy online. If you go, I think it's for the hard or for the soft cover, it's fourteen dollars. Uh, if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free, or you can purchase it. I think Kindle's like nine dollars if you don't have Kindle Unlimited. So it's reasonably priced. I want to make it easy for everyone to get it. Again, A Single Day of Peace on Amazon. I hope you uh, get it. I hope it inspires you, and I'd love your feedback as you read it. Yeah. And honestly, I really, I have something I want to suggest to you. Maybe do a journal that accompanies the book because when you go in through the principles, the people can write down their principles, like do the principles again and put it in a journal. You are the second person that suggested that. I love that suggestion. And I'm actually working through a raw form of, of, of working on that. So thank you. Yeah, because honestly, you know, people like to journal and journaling is really big right now. With each principle, you could actually do a journal prompt where they can feel better about themselves when they're meditating and when they're getting silent and just blocking out everything to where they can actually focus on that one principle that they're working on that day. Great. Exactly. Thank you. Um, Stephen, I want to thank you so much again for coming on and sharing this little bit of time with us. Um, once again, a single day of peace is right here and it's an amazing book i cannot talk enough about this book it's a fairly quick read too because it's very very you get into the story of father mark and you get into okay what's going to happen next what's going to happen next what is he going to say next what is it how is he going to upset people and and but not to upset people to basically basically he's rocking the boat of the establishment it's basically what he's doing. He's trying exactly. to, get them to get out of their old way of thinking into a newer way of thinking. Now, how much of this did you think about writing with when COVID? How much did you think when you're writing it, did you ever think it was going to be an impact like it was? Yeah. Um, actually, the whole COVID uh, period, while certainly was a very difficult time for all of us, it gave me more time to be able to focus in on on, on getting the de final details done. So it provided me with the time, but through the whole COVID scenario, the timing just happened to be right because we all have fears and challenges through COVID and it felt like the right time to get this out. Actually, the, the publisher was going to do a lot more promotion pre-launch and wanted to delay uh, having the book launched. And I, I said, no, I think people need it now. Let's get it out now during this whole COVID thing because they need relief. They need inspiration. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's get it out. And they agreed. And uh, yeah, so I think the timing is very, very good. And I cannot wait to see what you come out with next. And you're welcome to come back on and talk about your next book. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully it won't take you six years to write it. No, <laughs> it won't. I won't procrastinate. I promise. So guys, I will put in the show notes, all the places and in the caption, all the places where you can find Steven, where you can grab his book and 
guys, if you're really looking for an inspirational message, this is one that you need to listen to and read. And if you get Kindle Unlimited, you can actually listen to it on the Kindle. So you actually have someone speaking to you if you're driving in the car or whatever. But Stephen, once again, I want to thank you for coming on and for sharing this little bit of time with us and for writing the book um, and sharing your inspiration with others. And as always, guys, be blessed. And most importantly, keep chatting. And I'm going to add, keep reading as well. So guys, have a great rest of your day. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.